Amen, amen, amen. Oh, I could have just slept right there, just rested in that for a little longer. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. He's so good. Y'all are a rowdy bunch. I love it. I was like, this is so fun. And here getting to worship. I don't always get to, to, to worship that way and just to rest and just to receive. We drove in yesterday from Oklahoma, and um, it was a good drive. It was a long drive. It was a good drive. It was about 13 hours, and it was a good drive. And I'm so proud to be here today just to make, he just always is just making a way. He's always making a way to go somewhere, to do something whenever you don't think there's a way and you're tired or you're exhausted. And he's just like, but I've made a way. And he's opening up doors and he's pushing back the barriers and he's just making a way. Amen. Lord, we just thank you. I'm so excited for what's going to take place today. I know that uh, Katie and I have been praying. I know that other ladies here have been praying. The men of the church have been praying. I know that that there's a, a reason for today, that there's a purpose for today, that there's a personal word, as she spoke about, for today, for you to receive for today. I felt a heaviness in here um, as we were worshiping, but it wasn't the kind of heaviness that felt like a burden. It felt like a warm blanket that was just covering us this morning as we just got to enter into worship. And it was just wrapping us up. And it was a sweet heaviness. It wasn't the kind that was uh, weighing me down. It was the kind that I just wanted to wrap up in and just relax in. Amen. Ah, so I, I'm, I'm, once again, I'm just humble, humbled, humbled, humbled to be here. Um, I've known uh, the Mitchells for, I don't even know how long. I was telling my mama the other day, I was like, mama, I think that I'm, I met them. It was at a restaurant in Biloxi, Mississippi. They were at a PBR bull riding and uh, they were sitting with Todd Pierce uh, eating lunch and we just happened to walk into the same restaurant and got to meet uh, Rodney and Debbie at the time. And so we were just sitting there and he just, his accent, like their accents were just so contagious. You want to sit there and eat from whatever they're eating from, you know, it's just like pulls, sucks you in a little bit. And everybody always says, well, you have this accent, but I'm like, no, like when you go over to like Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, like those accents right there, they're thick and they just, you just want to get into that conversation. And, and over the last several years, Rodney and I have done church together at the PBR event several times. Uh, and, and that doesn't always look like this. A lot of times it's on the dirt. It's wherever we can find a place. It's wherever the Lord is making a way. Uh, it, it sometimes has been at sale barns. Whenever he's, we've got bucking bulls there and we're not able to get to the arena because our bulls are housed an hour away from wherever the event may be. And um, we just do it wherever. As a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, he messaged me. He said, are you going to be in Kansas City to do church? And I think that was last week, maybe. I, I think maybe I don't, I'm, I've lost. I've been like on the road for six weeks now and I don't know where I've been. I feel like the Lord's just carrying me. I don't even remember the stop signs. I'm just glad to get where I'm going. But I was like, no, I'm not gonna be there. I'm gonna be on the road. But wherever we go, um, whether he's here with you guys, he's somewhere talking about Jesus. And that's the family that they are. Uh, that's who I've known them to be for quite a while uh, the entire time. I don't think I've ever had a conversation with him that did not include Jesus. Maybe buck and bulls too, but there was always Jesus there also. And so, um, you know, when Katie called and we were talking about coming in and doing this conference, I was just really honored to be able to do this because it's new ground for me. I've not ever been here before. I've never got to sit with you. And as I was praying about what the Lord may have me speak about, the words that I may share, what I may impart, what, what opportunity I may have. Um, we don't have any relationships. So I want to tell you just a little bit about myself because I believe that that's going to maybe help you uh, 
get to know me a little bit better, but to know Jesus inside of me. Um, because I love, I love the Lord with all of my heart. And uh, I don't do anything without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, without my helpmate. And so when it, just so you know, I'm probably going to wear you out with my stories. I get that a lot. Like they're like, she's, I don't know how you do all that you do, but I really don't know how you guys do what you do because I don't have your shoes and you don't have my shoes. And, and it may look fun to wear my shoes for a minute and I might want to wear your shoes for a minute, but we know that, that the Lord gave us our shoes for a purpose. And so um, don't get worn out with what I say up here because it's a lot. I know that I stay super busy. I'm gone a whole lot and I don't do it without the helper. I do not do it without the Holy Spirit. I don't know how we breathe without acknowledging Holy Spirit. Um, I was praying just over you and, and I was like, Lord, oh, these women. And I just kept hearing the word encounter that you're, you're seeking and you're searching and you're looking for a personal encounter with the Lord. And as the scripture says in, in Psalm 34 and 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. We have this incredible opportunity to encounter the truth that sets us free. But we live in this world that weathers us. We feel it. We experience it. And over time, it knocks us off of our trust with the Lord. It gets us rocked off and we, we, we dabble in doubt. And, and we don't even realize it, but it's it, because of what we see, we partner with that a lot of times. And when he says, taste and see that the Lord is good, he's saying, I'm inviting you to taste first, to join me first, because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I do. So this invitation that he's given us today, I just pray that you would just enter in this morning and say, okay, I'm going to leave everything out the door for just a little while. <clears throat> I'm going to choose yes first. I'm just going to choose to taste and see. I've studied different, different things over the years, and it says that the Jewish rabbis, whenever they would be teaching a classroom of, of kiddos, that they would literally take honey into the classroom and that they would put a plate or a napkin, whatever, or put it on their finger, on the, on the kids' fingers. They would take it and they would put a little bit of honey on each of them. They would say, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, taste and see first. And that's such an incredible encounter, that, an opportunity that we get to have with the Lord. Now, it's not always, I don't always remember to taste first. I don't always, you know, I don't always do that first. Sometimes I'm like, oh, forgot to say, I forgot to ask, I forgot to press in, I forgot to even see if this is what I'm supposed to do, Lord. I think I've done that a lot over my life, uh, several times, and I go back and then I have this guilt and this weird shame, and the Lord's like, yeah, I didn't down the cross for you to experience guilt and shame all the time, like get over it and move on. And I'm pretty transparent, so you're going to hear me get really flat out today, like I'm just going to share I say guts and livers a lot because I work on a ranch and I'm just, it's what we do. So anyway, I was raised in South Louisiana. Um, I was raised on a dairy farm, gave my life to the Lord at a little Baptist church when I was nine years old. It was one of those vacation Bible school experiences, the pastors up there telling you about hell and I did not want to experience it. That was like, I'm not going to go to that place, you know. And initially, that's exactly what I thought. I mean, I didn't care if my friends were coming with me the next day. I wasn't going to go to the hot place. I just remember that. Remember that. And, and you know, I, I felt that peace. And I was raised in church. I had, you know, the experiences. My grandparents used to go everywhere singing at all these different churches. They sang with a group called the Happy Goodmans. They were doing, doing things, you know, they were always going and doing things. So I was raised in that church environment and that family-oriented, safe environment. And then later on, my parents ended up divorcing. I went through some stuff there. I was just a hater. I was just not, I was an angry kid when that happened. And... I was always a fighter. 
I was always going to go to the fight. Like, I always wanted to protect my friends. Like, if a boy made fun of a friend of mine, and I'm just going to say it in fifth grade, I was going to pull his pants down in front of everyone. You're not going to make fun of my friends, you know? Like, that was just, (laughs) that's just who I was. I was like, you're not going to make fun of my friends, you know? And I usually got in trouble because of what I would do, but... Um, that was just my heart. Like I was a protector. I was somebody that wanted to take care of people. I wanted to see people taken care of, and yet I wasn't really taking care of myself. I was angry, you know, and um, as I grew up and got older, I ended up meeting a cowboy named J.W. Hart, and some of you may know about PBR. You might know what the professional bull riding is, but he rode bulls at the time, and um, as it's a funny story, my son, his nickname was the Iron Man. And I was in Arkansas doing ministry once. And I mentioned that name as my son and my daughter at the time where we were driving back to the cabin that we were staying in that night. And I said something about the Iron Man to Jade, about referring to my husband. And my son was like, you mean daddy was a superhero? You know, I just remember like... He's a retired superhero. <laughs> you know, we've retired from that. That's an, that was another season of our life. But, um, you know, we, I married this cowboy uh, later on in life, and, and um, we thought that life was just going to be peachy. You know, that first year was really rough. It wasn't as easy as everybody said it was going to be. Outlaws, in-laws, all the fun things. You guys might not experience that there, but in Oklahoma, it's a little weird, Okay. Um, I was raised in a really close, tight-knit family, and so being, being welcomed into a, a new family was, was very, very new for me, and um, it was not exactly easy. Having babies was not easy for us. Uh, at this point and where we are now, we've been married for 16 years. We have um, had issues with infertility for 14 of those years, and I actually um, have uh, had 14 miscarriages. And, um, but the Lord, you know, always gives us these desires for a reason. And it doesn't mean that they're always going to be fulfilled the way that we think they're going to be fulfilled. It's not going to happen always the way that we think it's going to happen. His timing, it's his timing. We just have to trust him. And so through, uh, the gift of adoption, I was able to, we were able to adopt and now we have six children. Lord help us. Yes, that's right. And uh, the Lord has a sense of humor because I have a six, I have a four-year-old, a six-year-old, a nine-year, eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, and two 13-year-olds. And when I tell people that I have two 13-year-olds and they're six months apart, it's always like, you always get a look like, wow, it's crazy. It's impressive, you know? And my grandmother used to tell everybody, she just, she just don't carry very long, you know? Like, cause (laughs) instead of explaining the whole thing, my mom would just say, she just don't carry very long. And, um, Anyway, as, as time has gone on and things have happened and you, you start to really dig into the word, um, we started to pursue church even through the PBR and different things like that because we were on the road for 18 weeks out of the year. Even after JW retired riding bulls, he started to, to uh, be a commentator on CBS Sports. So he was gone. I was home taking care of the kids, running a ranch. We have 100 head of bulls at our house. We have 80 cows 10 miles away, and, and um, you just can't find help to really show up all the time. So, like, I'm the solid help. I'm, like, top hand around the house, and thank the Lord the kids are starting to do that now, which is awesome. And, you know, it's like you just you go through this life, and you just start to do life, and you start to almost allow your circumstances to be greater than your eternal choices. And you get covered up. And the Lord had called me into ministry. Um, I've been doing ministry on the road for about 14 years. Um, And that was really uh, new for me. It wasn't something that I ever really planned on doing. I've actually never called to go anywhere. The Lord just calls me and I pray about it and I go. And uh, that was, at first I would give our testimony about the, the adoption and the losses, and that was where we started out at. And later on, we went into, um, JW and I had a, hit a lick in our marriage. And where I'm, like I said, I'm very transparent. So he told me not to tell any bad stories on him today. That was actually the advice that he gave me in the, 
and before I got out of the van, and I was like, oh, so you don't want me to tell you, tell them that you're an outlaw? You want me to tell them that you're a rancher now? <laughs> you know, because last week I was sitting on a panel in, uh, at a church I was at, and there was uh, pastor's wife, pastor's wife, pastor's wife, and me. And um, and then the gal that was asking the questions, and I kept getting so tickled because they were like, "And I'm a pastor's wife, and I'm a pastor's wife, and I'm a pastor's wife." And I was all I kept thinking was, "And I'm an outlaw's wife." Like, oh my goodness, like you know. So I just said, I said, I just want to make an announcement that all y'all are up here, and y'all are so precious, and y'all are pastor's wives, and I'm the outlaw's wife. And JW corrected me later. He was like, "Retired outlaw, rancher now, rancher's wife," you know, and so. Um, but I do tell the, tell some of our story, like our story was, was pretty, um, rough there for a minute. Uh, our lifestyle was always on the road. It was always doing, we got children, things kind of shifted and I started being mama and, um, I started, you know, we just got busy, just got busy in life and we got distracted and from each other even, you know, and, and that was a season that we were in for a little while. And, and JW, uh, my issue had always been my struggle. And we all have a struggle. Every, every one of you here has a struggle. It may not be the same as mine, but each one of you have something that is like that headache. You've got that, that something that's that neat. You know, we've all got the something, you know, we've all got some past thing that, that we need to learn how to release and we need to walk in that. We've got, and I want to encourage you today to to know that whatever your struggle is, like mine has been infertility. Like I can put that name on it. Like I've struggled in that area of my life. But my God is not infertile. And so when I look at my weakness, I'm like, okay, this is where I'm at, Lord, over and over and over. And I started to see things differently. I started to see that even though my body was being weird, and I refer to it like that a lot because I'm like, sometimes I look at myself, I'm like, what, you, what are you doing today? What's happening? Stop. No, not today. You know, and, but my body in, my, in, in, in areas where I am weak, my God is not weak. And so it's, it's gotten pretty repetitive for me to say, here, Lord, is my weakness today. But I know that you are not infertile. You are fertile. And therefore, I'm just gonna do, I'm gonna trust I'm just going to be your daughter. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to believe. I'm just going to walk in it. And I'm not going to allow what I see to affect because I'm, I've got this strength inside of me. And it's because I've practiced it for so long. And JW will tell you that my thing is always like, he's like, you forgive so fast. And I'm like, well, I've just practiced it a little bit longer than you have. <laughs> because he had, he, his issue was, was women. For a little while. And that was an issue for us. It was a real big issue for us. I mean, it almost caused us to sort, to separate. I mean, it was, it was causing me to say, this is, I'm going to leave this pasture and go to a new one. <laughs> and we started to fight for one another and we went through a process there. And I was still so angry, even though he was trying so hard. And my mom one day called him, she was like, Leanne, because he was doing the Love Dare book. He was writing in the whole thing. And he was, and I was just the angry person that was pouring the coffee out. I didn't want anything. I didn't want him to be nice to me. And mom's like, where is God in you? Where is God in you? You know, and I didn't want to hear that. It's not about me. Yes, it is. You know, like you need to, as she was talking about this morning, receive. And we have, to, we have to release in order to receive. And worship this morning set us up in this room to release, to release. You know, every one of you picture walls that are, have just been up for, you're like, this wall has a name and this wall has a name and this one. But the Lord is like, march around the walls because they're coming down. We don't just have power, we have authority in Jesus' name. We have the opportunity to taste and see that the Lord is good, even when things are not, even when the world is going crazy, even whenever, you know, we have these moments where our knees literally get knocked out 
from underneath this. I was thinking about Deborah this morning in the Bible and in the book of Judges, and I'm not even planning to turn there to go there, but just topically speak of this for just a second because she was a judge and she had issues in her own hometown, but she went to the battle that was not even around her. She went over here. She was someone that was willing to go to the fight. She wasn't afraid of those encounters because she knew who she was with. She knew who was with her. And, and we have things in life like that, that knock us off of our rockers. We have those moments where our knees get knocked out from underneath us. And I don't know what it is for you that gets you in a place in the middle of your waiting. Um, I feel like every day is waiting for all of us at some point or another. We're waiting for kids to get out of school. <laughs> you know, like we're waiting and maybe it's for something greater. Maybe it's for a healing. Maybe it's for a financial touch. Maybe, maybe it's for a touch in your marriage. Maybe it's for a touch in your mind. You're battling this chaos and the confusion. You're battling fear. I'm not sure exactly what it is for you that you are battling, but I do know that he who is in you is greater than he who is in this world. And when you start to, to, to apply and to make that truth applicable to your life, you will start to experience him in every area of your life. Why? Because Jesus walked through walls. And so therefore, when we have a wall that we don't think we can walk through, you don't necessarily always have to feel like you've got to go around it. You can face up to it. You can face up to that moment. And that's where we were in our marriage. We hit that place um, in, our, in our marriage JW was not raised in church. I was. I had this foundation, and his mama used to tell me she passed away the day that our our son, our first child, that we adopted him. Um, but she, I spent so much time in the hospital with her before that, and it was so precious. I was studying Esther at the time, and and I just wanted to make sure that she knew where she was going. And as we were talking in there, she she told me, I said, "Well, did you guys ever really go to church? Did you ever?" Um, do that whenever JW was, whenever the kids were younger. And she said, well, I took him to get sprinkled every, every now and then. Every place we'd go, I'd just have him sprinkle him here and sprinkle him there. And uh, I, I, can't, I can't actually imagine living my life like that because I don't even know how um, to do anything without him. And it's because I made a choice to surrender it all. It's because I really meant it. It's because... I was exhausted. It's because I needed to learn how to turn every opportunity down to quit. And Jesus wasn't a quitter. You weren't created by a quitter. You were created by the God who created this world in his very likeness. You, you, you inhabit his identity. And so when you think about that in, today, as we continue to kind of go along, think about what it is that gets you to a place where you just want to quit. Those quit moments. Think about what it is that causes you to have a setback. When you think, I'm going to encounter the Lord today or I'm going to taste and see that He's good. It doesn't matter if I go outside and there's a flat tire or I can't find my keys. I'll just ask the Holy Spirit to help. Whatever that may be for you. We hit other licks in our life. We hit other moments in our life. Our adoptions were not easy. Like nothing that we have really gone through with our, in our process has been easy. And maybe some of you can relate where you've, all, you've thought from time to time, man, I wish I had it like here when you're playing the comparison thing with somebody. I wish that it could be easy like this. I know the other day I was sitting at the table with my kids and... I was telling them how we always, we assign an identity to everyone. I was like, you know, I said, I have assigned an identity to you guys. I was like, and I'm sure you've assigned an identity to me, and I don't really know if I want to know exactly what that is just yet. But I was telling them, I was like, you know, because we do assign that identity, we assign lies to ourselves, and we also assign lies to others as well. And, but I was telling them that for each one of my six children, Wacy is a little multiplier. I'm telling you what, he's 13 years old, and this kid is going to make it when he gets older. He is so creative, 
and in, in so many different ways that he, he just, whatever he puts his little hand to, he, he multiplies it. He called me yesterday, was so excited that he fixed my cake mixer. And I was too, because I've been trying to fix it for like five months. He's like, I just had it, hit, it, hit it with a hammer a little bit harder, mom. I had to kind of take it apart and do this. He was so proud of himself. But he's the kid that can go drive a tractor. He's 13 year old, years old. He puts hay out. He can drive the skid steer. He can do so many things that a lot of grown people can't do. He backs trailers up. He can do these things. And it's so impressive to me of what he can do. Michaela, who's here, she's my 13-year-old. That's my oldest girl. And she is so capable. Like this child is so capable with kids. She is capable at feeding bulls. I can leave her home and she can take care of it. And I know it's going to get done efficiently. I've got a little, my nine-year-old Sapphire, she's my little peacemaker. You know, she's the one that is just, if she sees her daddy watering a bull, she's going to go water the next one. Like she's going to go start dumping. She sees what needs to be done ahead of time. And she just brings you peace. And Elsie Grace, she's my six-year-old. She's my little comforter. If I were here, if she were here today and she were sitting down there today, at some point she would be up here at least three times to hug my leg because she's going to like randomly just come comfort me, you know? And she's always like, that jacket looks good, mama. I mean, like, who told her to say that? Go, Jesus, you know? And so I just, and my four-year-old, he's just still trying to figure it out. But my, my he's something. But my, my eight-year-old, Crystal, who's here, she's so creative. But whenever I started going to counseling with them, our last three, we had our two girls in counseling because of things that they had, had encountered in their previous homes. Um, I used to, they were stubborn when they'd come to the house. Lord, have mercy. I was like, Lord, I don't know if these are supposed to be mine. Because we fostered kids for 12 years. I've had 50 kids come through my house. So you have to ask the Lord, is this one mine <laughs> or not? And I'm snorting already. Like, this is just the truth. I'm telling you what, like, is this a keeper, Lord? You know, because I want to keep every puppy. I've got one with me today. Like, I just, you know, like, I'm that person. And you just know who is who. And when we were in counseling, uh, I remember her counselor saying that, um, listen, uh, you got to stop calling her calling these kids stubborn. They're determined. And she was giving me this different way to look at them and even to start to look at myself. I mean, as I was going, I thought, I'm going for them, but I am receiving. Like, I'm like, this is so awesome. But that's what we do. And I'm sitting at the table. I'm telling my kids this just a few weeks ago. And Wacey was like, Mom, I am not a multiplier. I'm the capable one. And Mac was like, and I'm not the capable one. I'm the comforter. Like, and I was like, and, and I feel like that's us so often. We look at this world and we live so horizontally, not horizontally in a way where we're trying to do life with others in the oneness and intermingling and unity with Christ as it speaks about in Romans 12 and 5. But we're like, I want her gift. I want to be able to sing here. I want to be able to, to, to do all the things. I want to be the host or I want to be the greeter or I want to be, I don't want to be the janitor. Listen, you're all the janitors. Every one of us. Every one of us. And if we were to really expose ourselves and we were all supposed to, if we really, really took off the garments, if we really took it off and, and worship, and because I'm going to tell you, I was raised in a very religious atmosphere. And for me, like worshiping like this was weird. I remember walking into the first house that I ever worshiped that way. And I was like, where is the gospel songs? You know, what, what, what are we doing? And I was just like, all these people were just worshiping freedom and they were just like excited to be there and just loving Jesus. And I was like, I just like want some of that. But I, I had to take some things off in order to experience that freedom and enter into that personal encounter. I couldn't look at the person over here. I couldn't pay attention to what they were doing. And before you knew it, I was up in there just up in the club. I was just like, this is good. You know, I mean, like I just was enjoying the Lord, this, this, the freedom that was in there, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But what we don't like is when we take off the garments, how it, 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 we just feel exposed. We feel like it's exposing us and we don't want to be exposed. And we forget that everything has already been covered under the blood. And, and if there's something that needs to be exposed, you need to expose it. Why? Because the enemy likes to stay hidden in your house. And this is your house here. I mean, for me, like I, I, I'm always like feeling like I'm cleaning out, whether I'm spiritually cleaning out or physically. I'm like, I'm doing metal cleanses and parasite cleanses. 
And then, I mean, last Sunday I went to a deliverance conference, you know, and I was just like, oh, this is good. I'm just saying that we need to learn that the enemy, the, one of his main tactics, he does not want you to expose yourself. You know why? Because by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, someone is going to want to turn back to Jesus. Why? Because you've already walked through the fire in an area. Why? Because you have got something to give and the enemy doesn't want you to be confident enough and bold enough to, to speak about something good that's taken place. He wants you to believe that that didn't really happen, that that really, shh, shh. When JW and I were walking through what we were walking through and there was a healing in our marriage and, and I was fighting for our marriage in a different way. I was fighting super spiritually with this. I mean, I marched through the house. This was long before the War Room movie ever came out. I mean, literally when we went and saw it, JW thought I wrote the script. He was like, did you give them this? And I was like, no, I didn't, but you need to open your eyes. This is good, you know? Because I walked through the house. I mean, I walked outside of the house. I went to the end of the driveway. I told the devil where he could go and where he could stay and all of the things. I didn't care how crazy I looked when the little car came by. <laughs> I think about that now and I think they're probably like, what in the world was that crazy girl doing? <laughs> Whoa. But I didn't care. I got to where I was like, I'm, I don't mind exposing everything. I've had friends come to my house. <laughs> And I'm, I've walked in and they've been cleaning out the refrigerator. And I'm like, thank you. Be that friend that wants to help me clean my refrigerator out. You know, love me that much because that's the love of Christ. He loves us that much. He's like, let me clean your refrigerator out. Let me get back here to this part of your mind. Let me get to that heel, that thing you've been walking on. It's hurting you. You're not even able to walk straight because of it. Let me help you in that area. Taste and see that I'm good even though we're walking through a world that's rough. Why? Because we have this eternal hope in Jesus that he's gone before us. He has prepared a way for us. He has prepared a place for us. And count it all joy. You know, that in the waiting, turn down every opportunity to quit. We need to stop being quitters. And that's just the truth of it. The enemy loves it whenever you quit. He wants you to lay down. He doesn't want you to show up. He, he doesn't want you to speak up. He doesn't want you to be who you've been created to be. He wants you to focus on this relationship over here, this earthly thing over here, because it's going to distract you from your purpose. It's, gonna, it's, going, to, it's going to keep you from birthing what God would have you birth. He's wanting to bring something to life in you. Over the last couple of weeks, I've, been, I've experienced this, this dream a couple of different times, and I'm just going to share it with you. I think it's very relevant for the church today. And I mean, I, I was sitting there, and I, I don't ever really have like dreams or visions. It's very rare to me, and I've kind of been praying for the Lord to, to help me with this area of my life. And I literally saw this lioness crouch down in a, in a bunch of wheat, and I thought she was going to eat me. <laughs> like, she's sitting right there. And I, I was looking at her and I was like, I don't know if I should move. If, this, if it's going to be a Jonah moment and I'm going to enter. I don't know what's happening right now. I'm just not real sure. But I sat there and um, as, I, as I stood up, I stepped into her. And she had this like side view of her. What I was in, I was like as her. But I stood up and I'm naked and I'm pregnant. And I've been praying for the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, what in the world is this? Is this? Because I've been praying for months for the womb of the church, for the body of the church. And what I saw in that dream was that this, I'm still pregnant. I don't think it really had anything to do with me. I think it has everything to do with the church. The church is very pregnant right now. And we have to foster one another. We have to help one another conceive. There's something brand new inside of you guys that, that is, God has been, he's put it inside of you and you have been putting it aside. You're putting it aside and it's not birthing because you're not allowing the process because the process is not easy. The process is gonna call for you to do something outside of your box. And it's easy for us to go to church on a Sunday or to go to church on a Wednesday it's easy for us to kind of get into routine and tradition 
and to stay in these routines. I don't really know anything about like regular routines because I've, I just don't. Like our routine, I just do it. I just go wherever the Lord tells me to go and do whatever he says to do. But I'm, so for me, I'm just like, come on, girls. God is saying he's trying to do something here. And when you're giving in to this fear and you're giving in to these moments where you're exhausted and we all get exhausted, where you're weak, he's not. So rest and rise up. Awake my soul. He's trying to wake us up. It says in James, one and two, where was I at the other day? And I put my notes in here and I've just been rattling on. There it is. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your patience, your endurance, steadfast, has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will perfect and compete, needing nothing. In James 1, 2 through 4 in the NLT. It's so important that we acknowledge what it is that we're fighting against. Why are we staying in this area? Why are we not allowing ourselves to move? Why are we hesitating? Why do we hesitate? The enemy, he wants us to hesitate. He wants us to have a hiccup. He doesn't want you to move forward because he knows you're a threat if you do. He knows that you're a threat. He knows that if you stop asking God to take something and you start asking him to turn it around, he will because his word never returns void. When you release and start to trust the Lord and say, I don't know what this is going to look like. I have no idea when I'm going to start to see the sprout come from the ground. I've just planted the seed. We have to tend to the seed. And so when it, that counted all joy, like, Lord, count it all joy whenever you're in progress and you're in process and you're on your way and things just happen. I mean, we're in the middle of history in the world right now. Like people are telling me, I don't want to raise my kids right now. I'm hearing it everywhere. I don't, I'm thinking, I don't, we just got married, but we're thinking about not having kids because of the world that we live in. I'm like, now's the time to raise your kids. Like that's where I'm at. Like the Lord is like, raise up your giants, your giant slayers, raise them up. Like now is the time for you to do that. We walked through a thing in our, in our, in our last adoption process that we were in it for three and a half years. Um, and it, we, were up, we were up against so much. And we weren't sure if we were gonna get the kids adopted. We just went through so, it was just a lot a long story, a lot. And in that process, because we knew that we were threatened, like they would say, just let the kids go back. You're going to eventually get them anyway. These parents aren't going to make it. And for me, someone who's in ministry, I want to believe that the parents are going to be better. But what started to happen was things were starting to be revealed that were super unhealthy in the home. Things that had happened to the kids, to my girls that were not good. And as someone who, as a foster parent, you just don't really have like a whole lot of clout. You don't have um, any, you don't have a whole lot of authority on earth. But I can bring it down from heaven. And when you start to practice that and you start to trust the Lord, I remember walking into mediation to have to go into mediation with this birth, the birth parents knowing what the birth dad had done to one of our daughters without the details. And I was a nervous wreck about this because, and, and as we're walking in, I knew that it was not going to be a good outcome that day. Have you ever just like, you just know, like you're praying for it, but you know today's probably not going to be the day, but I'm still going to trust God anyway. And you're walking in and you know that in that moment that, you know, David slayed Goliath and, and he cut his head off. He still, or he slayed Goliath. He still had to run to him and cut his head off. There was still work to be done. Like Goliath is down, but there's still work to be done. I could feel, I knew that Goliath was down. I knew that our Goliath was down, but we still had to do this work. We still had to walk in this room. I still had to sit there 
I still had to listen to some nonsense. I still had to sit there. And knowing all of that, I remember JW asking some really, really hard questions in there that only a husband could ask. And I was so thankful to have that, him right there. And then before you knew it, we walked out and I was like, I knew that it was done, even though we, hadn't, we didn't have the release right then. I knew that it was done. I knew that it was done because I had started to trust the Lord. And about a year before that, I had just really started to trust the Lord. And it's like we get into these places where we just need to start to practice not quitting and start really trusting the Lord. We wanna raise kids that are super tough. We want our kids to know Jesus. We want our kids to trust the Lord, but we're not trusting the Lord. <laughs> it's just the truth. We want, I want, Mac, what would Jesus do or whatever? And then I'm like, they're my accountability. They're, they're the ones who are watching me in the way that I respond to tough things. And with God, I can. With God, I can. I can respond. I can stand. I can step. And even if I'm, this is where I've been. You're going to hear it a little bit more at the end of the day. But this is the thing. Even if today I might feel like I'm losing ground, I'm going to choose not to. I'm just going to stand still. I'm just going to stand I'm just gonna be still. I'm gonna let God be God because I'm not. And I'm gonna be still. I will not lose ground today. I'm just going to stand still and let the Lord do what he needs to do in me because I need to release some things. I need to remove some things. I need to expose the enemy where he's getting into my mind. I need to trust God. Count it all joy when I've got a headache. I've gotta, I've not, I've gotta work this out with him and let him do it. I... um. I'm not even going to go to my notes this morning. I'm just going to finish like this for this morning. It's so important that we identify whatever it is that we're stuck on. It's so important that we identify whatever it is that's distracting us, that we can't stop thinking about, that we can't get away from. Um, a couple years ago, during 2020, uh, it was a weird year for everybody. It really wasn't a weird year for us. It was probably one of the best years for us. And everybody's been, I've heard so many people say how bad it was. But for us, because of our life and where we were, our kids were having to go to visits. And when the world shut down, they didn't have to go anymore. And we found out because of them going, some really, really bad things had been happening. But because the world shut down and everyone had to rest for a minute, we got some normalcy in our life. We got to eat at the table. We got to be a family around the table. We love table time at our house. It's super important. When we're home, even if it's for two days, we're around the table. We got to enjoy some things. And at the end of the year for PBR finals that year, JW and I had decided that um, we weren't going to stay in the same hotel room with one another because of the COVID thing. Because if he didn't, if he got COVID, then he couldn't do TV. We didn't get a paycheck. We had to, we were just thinking like this, you know, and, he sent me home. I had to go pick up some bucking bulls and bulls from Fort Worth. And I was driving back and forth at the first half of the week. And um, I was on the phone with some girlfriends. And we were talking about some ministry stuff as I was feeding bulls that morning. And uh, I, well, I'll, let me back up for a minute. I had come in from Fort Worth the night before. And we had a bull that we did not sell and he has really, really big horns. And he was on the back of that trailer. And I had asked JW, I said, where do you want me to put him? Does he need to go in a, you know, a pen or can he go in the pasture? Oh, just put him in the pasture. And every time we leave the house, we, pack, we tie a rope around a gate. 
and, or around the um, trailer. And I didn't even think anything about it, but I untied the gate and that, that bull with these big horns, one of those, that one of his horns caught the rope and he just walked off with the rope. Now, I don't know about y'all, but like, I'm sure like you have your things, like you don't like to lose pins or, you know, if, if your husband's into fishing or hunting or anything like that, like there's certain things he's like, where is my arrows? Where is my bait? Where is my tackle box? You know, or, or, or whatever. So in that moment, we, JW likes his ropes. Why? Because we tie every gate and we tie cattle down in the pasture we chase them and we do all the things that you would see on the shows where you see cowboys running after cattle, roping them, tying them down. It's one of my favorite things to do. Sometimes I picture that they're people and I'm just like, thank you, Lord, for this moment to allow me to decompress and you stay there a little longer and I name it, you know. But, <laughs> but anyway, this bull had run off with this rope and, and I'm just trying to shoot. I'm running over to him and his name was Short Pop and he's not a very nice bull, so I wasn't really going to go close to him, but I was just like, hey, hey. And he just puts his head down with that rope wrapped around there and he's eating. And I'm like, take the rope then. I'll get it tomorrow. On 240 acres, I'll find this rope somewhere tomorrow, you know. Oh my goodness. And so anyway, the next day I'm talking to my girlfriends and um, I am headed to go feed. We live on a hill and our pens that we have some of our cows, our young calves, they're down um, at the bottom of that hill. And I was headed to go feed. And I'm on the phone with my girlfriends, and in the driveway is that rope, is that, is that rope that, I, that was wrapped around that bull's head. And I was so excited because I was like, I found the rope, I found the rope, because I'd found it. You know, it got lost, and now it's found. Are y'all with me in Jesus' name? I'm just like, ah. And I told the girls, I was like, this is so cool because, you know, I just didn't even think I was going to find this rope, and now I don't have to listen to JW's mouth. I mean, that's just really where I was at. And, and, and anyway, they were like, oh, that's so good. I said, you know, I said, I know that there is a message in this. And that's really the way I am with everything in life. Like, I'm like, I know that the Lord is here in some way. Like, this scripture is going to come to life here and whatever. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, girl. She said, sometimes people just take your stuff and they just run off with it. And it's not even theirs. And she said, sometimes people are trying to take your, take your purpose. Some are trying to take this and take your gift and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, no, that's not what it is. Like, girls can be so petty, you know? Like, it could just be so weird sometimes. And, but I'm just like, no, that's not what it is. Like, it's not anything like that. I don't even think it has anything to do with this world. Like, I think it's like, Lord's gonna give me a bigger something. So I left it, because I knew where, where it was. I was like, I'll just leave it. You, you stay right here, you know? I found you, you now you stay here. Because I'm gonna ask the Lord in this process, Lord, what will you have me get from this? And so I ended up going and feeding and I'm just chewing on it. I'm just like talking to the Lord and it's windy and it's nasty weather. And I'm just like, oh, and all these little scenarios are coming to my mind. And uh, I get back to that rope and the Lord was just like, I was like, okay, here we are. And the Lord was just like, you know, you focused on this loss so much rather than the gain. You focused on what you had lost so much rather than the gain. You got stuck on this rope for how long rather than what you have gained with me. And that can be a hard one to chew on because a lot of us have experienced loss. I recently, and I'll, I'll talk more about some loss that we've experienced, but there's been a lot of stuff. You know, even our truck, we just blew our truck up this week. We've lost a vehicle now. Lord, thank you, Jesus. It's a materialistic thing. We're gonna gain another one pretty soon even though there are no parts in this country or trucks to have. <laughs> We're going to get another truck. But we, also, we all the time, a lot of times what we do is we focus on what we've even laid down at the altar. We focus on this. We've given it up, but we focus on it. We've given it up, and we've, but we focus on it, and we don't realize what we've gained in Jesus, this freedom that we have to continue to move our feet in spite of what we see, in spite of what's going on in the world, in spite of what's going on in our situations or our circumstances, we, we just focus so much on the hurt. We focus on the bitterness. We focus on other people. We focus 
on so much. And, the, and, and we focus, when we watch TV, my daughter said like a few weeks ago, I was teaching on some stuff and I said, Mac, what did you get from, I said, just take notes because I love when kids take notes. They're so good. I said, just take notes. She took notes. I said, what are you getting from this? What, is, what, what, do you, what did you get when we left? We always talk about our takeaways. She said, ah, God doesn't really want to control me. He just wants to transform me. And I was like, really? Like all that, I was 45 minutes of teaching and just that's like mic drop. I mean, God doesn't want to control you. He wants to transform you. He want, he's the daddy who says, come, let me have it. Let me have it. And, and for me, with my children, I don't want to control my kids. I want them to, to want to be better. I want them to want to not talk back to me. I want them to want to pick their clothes up. I want them to, do th- to eventually start to do some things on their own and to step into something new so that they can go and show someone else how to do something else that I've taught them maybe to do. I don't want to control my kids. God doesn't want to control you. He wants to transform you. He wants you to say yes first, to taste and see that he is good even when things are not good. Even when there's an overcast, the sun is still there behind it. Even when the storms are rolling in that are unpredictable, he wants you to say, hey, because of what I've put here, because you and I, the, 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 the weapons that we are supposed to fight with, we can't even see them, but we do have this. We do have the word of God. And we have this, and he wants us to use it. He wants us to be bold about using it and to apply it to our life and apply it to our our personal situations so that we're not always focusing on what we've lost or, or what's hurt us. But he wants us to focus on the healer because even the waves and the winds, they were focused on Jesus in the water. And that's why Paul was able to get out of the boat to practice that, to practice that process. This morning I had so much I was going to sit here and say, and as I just was looking out, I was like, Lord, what would you have me say today? I've been on the road for a couple of weeks now, and last week I was in Dayton, Texas, and Trinity, Texas, and Poto, Oklahoma, and I was speaking to all of these different women, and there were lots of different um, topics of what we were talking about, and the week before that, I was in Ohio and West Virginia. And the week before that, I was in Mount Pleasant, Texas. The week before that, I was in Little Rock. And the week before that, I was in Damascus or wherever we were. No, somewhere else. I don't know. We were in places. <laughs> We've been all over the place. And we I'm going to tell you what. There's something that's happened every, at every one of those places where I've had to leave something behind. I've had to release it to the Lord. So as we go into the latter part of the, the rest of the day, think about what it is because there will be an opportunity in worship at the end of the day for you to really release it. For you to let go of it. To, not, to stop focusing on it. To stop allowing it to focus on you. And sometimes we just need to wash our mouth out with the word. <laughs> sometimes we're just, it's the negative talk and we're like, I don't want to talk like that. And you're like, you know, and you're just like, and it just got to put a word in your mouth. I, for an hour one night was reading scripture in the bathtub and our, our bathroom is connected to the bedroom. And JW was like, who are you talking to in there forever? I was like, myself. I need to wash my mouth out. I was like, because... I had a weird thing happen that day and I was just not happy and I was talking about it so much. It's down to the little things, releasing all of it, cleaning yourself out, letting him refine you. Don't just read the word, let it read you. Count it all joy, he says. Why? Because he's the joy. Count me the joy in your junk. Let me have it. So, Father, we just come to you right now. Lord, I just pray for these women. I don't know their stories. You know their stories personally. You know exactly what it is that they focus on every day. You know what it is that is consistently rolling up in their mind. 
You go before him. You know exactly where, what their shoes walked in the day before. You know what they're going to walk into when they put them back on. Today, I pray that as a day that they reflect on themselves, on what they can do, on what they can change, on what they can say yes to you for, not on husbands, not on in relationships, not on children, not on bosses, not on doctors, not on wayward relationships. But what they would ask you, the question that they would ask you, how would they rest? How would you have them rest? How would you have them receive? What does release really look like? What does an encounter with you really look like? What does that experience mean? What does it look like not to focus on the loss? Would there be freedom? What is freedom in Jesus? What does it really mean to say yes to you first? Lord, help me identify my insecurities that are holding me up. Help me, Lord, identify these barriers in my life. Lord, help me, help me. Lord, help me not be afraid. Lord, help me not worry about the things of this world. Lord, help me turn my eyes to you so that I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have gone before me. I may not be ready for you, but you are ready for me, oh Lord. You are ready, you're prepared. Father, I pray for boldness. For women to say, Lord, what does boldness look like for me? Lord, where would you have me be bold in my life? Help me be bold. Help me be confident. Help me trust you. Help me. Not judge myself. Help me love myself. Help me change my words. Lord, help me not be like somebody else was the one that was so negative to me growing up. Lord, I don't want to be that. Help me receive. Help me encounter you. There's somebody in here that is even, even saying, Lord, help me learn how to pray. When he's just saying, speak. Let me hear your voice. He loves your voice. He loves you. There's someone in here who's never even, who has a hard time saying good things about yourself, encouraging things about yourself. You have a hard time seeing how God sees you. You have a hard time hearing from all the noise. Lord, increase our hearing here today. Increase our vision to see you today. There are leaders here. Somebody's been sleeping on something. Father, 
spirit wind just ignite that fire inside of their heart, inside of their mind. Someone needs to say, Lord, help me be creative. You are creative. What does a new thing look like? What do I look like new? Father, I just pray that these women would walk out of here with a a contagious anointing upon their life. That there would be a fresh touch from you upon their head and upon their lips. That there would be sweet words that would come out of their mouth. And that there would be such a desire to turn to you, to surrender anxiety and worry. Father, I just thank you that you always hear us. Hear your daughters today, and we say thank you for hearing us. Thank you. was so good. (laughs) Doesn't it feel good in here? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Um, So before we transition to lunch, I have a challenge for you for lunch. Um, (laughs) So when I woke up this morning and all throughout the, the week, I've been thinking about this weekend and um, what do we want to accomplish. And um, I was talking to my sister. Um, We were walking on Thursday and um, we were talking about friendships. And I don't mean like friendships, like I know you and like I am nice to you at church and I smile and then I kind of side eye you. And when I get in the car with my husband, I'm like, did you see her? I'm not talking about that. That's not friendship. (laughs) And when I was talking to her about friends, I was thinking about my friends, and I was thinking about um, one of my best friends, Robin, who a lot of you probably know, and um, we're friends because our parents forced us to be friends. Um, Her family moved here when we were in seventh grade, and my dad looked at me when we were getting ready to go on youth camp, and he was like, you see that girl over there? You're going to be her friend. You're sitting with her on the bus. I was 13 on my first youth camp, and I was like, I have way better things to do than babysit somebody that's new. And he was like, you're sitting with her on the bus. And her parents had told her, if you go to youth camp, then we'll let you go visit your old friends in Mobile where they moved from. So both of us reluctantly are on the bus sitting next to each other. And of course, the first thing I ask her is, so, you see any cute boys? (laughs) Because we're 13 and it's youth camp and, you know. We, that's all we knew. And we've been friends for 17 years. And when I was thinking about our friendship, I thought about when we were in high school, we really liked Hershey bars. But, you know, we were in high school. So we're like, we can't eat a whole Hershey bar. Like, oh, God, we'll be so fat. And, like, we're trying to get boys. So we can't be fat. And so I don't remember which one of us it was. Um, But one of us was like, okay, well, we're going to get two Hershey bars and I'll eat half of one and you eat the other half. And then I'll eat half of the second one and you eat the half of the second one. And it's not a whole, we're just eating a half. (laughs) And we were like, yeah, (laughs) but like, that's a friend, right? That when you're like, hey, I don't, I just want to eat two halves because that makes me feel better. They're like, yeah, girl. I'm down. Let's go. Two halves. I got it. And that's silly, but like, those are the kind of friends that we need. When Cole and Kelsey came here the first time, I told you about the day that I got the phone call that my mom had died. And I called Kelsey and she packed my suitcase. 
because I didn't know what to didn't know what to do. So she packed my suitcase. When I had my baby, I called my friend Erica and I was like, I really need to take a shower. <laughs> it's been like four days. Baby puke and milk and all over me. Will you come hold my baby so I can take a shower? That's not anything big. But golly, it matters. That changes the game when you have friends like that. And I have been so blessed to have some really, really good friends in my life, but I didn't get them by accident. Right? Like you just don't stumble into that kind of stuff. Because it would have been really easy for me to entertain Robin on the bus to youth camp and then get back to church and be like, check, did that. Okay, back to my old stuff. It would have been really easy when Cole and Kelsey moved to Birmingham to be like, oh yeah, she seems pretty, they're nice, they have a cute kid. But we intentionally had dinner with them every single week for years. It would have been easy when we started at Oak City in Birmingham for me to be like, oh yeah, Kate's a cool pastor's wife, she's pretty, whatever. But we walked every week (laughs) for months to the point we were like really scared she was going to have one of her kids while we were on a walk. (laughs) You have to be intentional with your friends and seeking out those relationships so that when you get a phone call, you have somebody that you can pick up the phone to come pack your suitcase. Those don't happen by accident. And what I hear so, what I've heard so often since we've been back and I've been talking to some of you is it's like, I just don't really have any friends. Like not the real kind. Not the kind that I can cling to when it's hard. And so my challenge for you when we go out here for lunch is that you'll be intentional in your conversation and you'll be intentional about sitting with people that you may not know or that you don't know that well and that you'll seek out some real friends because in Mark, some friends brought their friend to Jesus and the scripture says that Jesus healed the lame man because of his friend's faith. The day that my mom died, I didn't have any faith. I was in the negatives, and I was really questioning what was happening. But my friends had enough faith for me to get me out of that. You need friends who, if you're laying on a mat, will pick you up and carry you and bust open a roof for you to get to Jesus. And you don't get those by accident. And it's really unfair of us to sit around and go, well, I don't have any friends and we don't reach out to anybody. We don't call anybody. We don't make an effort, but we complain. Well, nobody talked to me. Well, who'd you talk to? I'm just telling you, this doesn't happen by accident. And when I was 13, my dad had to make me go do something, but now I'm 30, so it's my job. (laughs) Right? So I... Robin and I have been friends for 17 years because when our parents took their hands off, we kept going. So we were intentional about saying, hey, let's go to breakfast. Hey, let's go to dinner. Hey, let's have a night. Because they don't happen by accident. So when you go out there and you get your lunch, be intentional about that time. Because, hey, look, we don't have husbands here asking us to do stuff. There's no laundry here that has to be folded. There's no children crawling all over you and slapping you in the face. You got time. Come on now. (laughs) Kay's got three kids. She knows. (laughs) You got time today. And that's the struggle for us, right? It's like, well, I don't have time to sit down and have coffee. Well, today you have time. We made sure you had time where nobody's asking you to do anything. You don't have to do anything. You go and you sit and you get to know each other and you have intentional conversation and you start cultivating those relationships because let me tell you, you're going to need them.